And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. Actually, show 13. I'm Trip Mitchell. That's Randall Carlisle. Is it 13 or 14? We are 13. in every week, so yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, well, I've lost count. But. We have, but uh, congratulations. That's a quarter of a, a year. You know, you're kind of good to work with. You maybe well, should I, think about, if you're in your next career, I'm going to apply television. for a TV job uh, <laughs> after I retire from Odyssey House and doing this, okay? But you've told me that working with Odyssey House for and worth the community is the best job you've ever had. Well, I feel like that I'm helping an organization that does a lot more for the community than perhaps a TV newsroom does. So A TV newsroom does a lot. Well, they, they do a lot of information, but you have to realize, I mean, I'm working at a nonprofit, and TV stations are the farthest thing from a nonprofit. So, well, you've never worked for a station that I've owned. <laughs> we are nonprofits, okay. but not intentionally. <laughs> Who is our lovely guest? This our week? lovely guest today, I'm glad you asked me that, Don Pardo, it sounds like a game show, is Tricia Bishop from the State Health Department. So tell us what you do there. So I am the syringe exchange specialist. That's hard to say. Yes, syringe exchange specialist. I prefer needle exchange. Okay, but, that, um, that is easier to say. It is a little which easier. Which means to say. what? So, uh, let's see. In a nutshell, um, it means that at the state health department, we are um, we have some oversight of our syringe exchange programs that are out in the community. So we have a couple syringe exchange programs that are out in the community that have requested some funding for, from us and other programs that have not requested funding from us, but we have some oversight of what they're doing. For people who don't know what a needle exchange is easier, right. I like it. it. Right, right. it is. Right. It, it comes uh, off the tongue needle, better. Needle exchange, I mean, what do you, I, I've seen a couple of news stories and I've been there before, but, yep. but just describe it for somebody who doesn't know what it is. You set up a place somewhere so depending so depending yes um some of our needle exchange our syringe exchange programs are mobile some of them are brick and mortar um so when we do a syringe exchange um at least here in utah it's not just i'm giving you a unused syringe you're giving, giving me you a dirty a one dirty, or, or, or used okay. um so and um so we are also providing at these syringe exchange locations um, resources, referrals, whether that be to treatment facilities, we are providing HIV and Hep C testing. Some of our syringe locations also provide um, vaccines and other STD testing. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that it's it's not just it says syringe exchange, but we do one much more than than just that. So, and as you said, one for one, um, it's not even one for one. So we have a one-for-one -one enhanced program. We know that when somebody walks away with one syringe and they're not going to see us again for two weeks or maybe a day, there's a high likelihood that they're going to use more than one time. So we give them the one plus. So, well, so how do you answer people who say that you're just enabling bad behavior? <laughs> I don't think there's any studies to really show that we're enabling bad, bad behavior. Um, we're out in the community providing these resources, and I think the goal of this program is disease prevention. So if we, we've got to look at it from a whole different perspective, and we can't be like, we're giving you the party pack, you're going to just keep using drugs. I can't. Has anyone ever asked if you give them heroin as well? I well, bet you've yes and it. no. And, and I mean, again, we're seeing... Um, we're seeing places thinking about that and giving them medical grade heroin. So they're not coming in with 
drugs that they're not familiar with or don't know what's in them. So I'm not saying that's ever going to happen here in Utah. But um, it, it does, it, happen, it does in happen. It yeah. does, right? Exactly. And so we, in Canada. And Canada. So we, we just recently had Canada come here. Um, we had a meeting with them about their opioid crisis versus our opioid crisis and the direction of movement with drugs. And I don't want to get controversial, but right. I, I think just anecdotally, I've heard that the evidence is that it's much safer for people when the government steps in and does a little bit more. Well, and, and yes, I agree with you. I mean, I do think that there's no studies to show that giving someone syringes is in turn making them do more drugs. Heather and I, uh, my boss, Heather, um, at the health department, we have thousands of syringes surrounding us every day and I don't go <laughs> home at night and shoot up. I don't, I don't do drugs. Um, so that does not mean, um, it, again, there's no studies to show that that is proven that it's going to increase drug use. There are studies out there to show um, condom use. Um, I came from the HIV world, and 20 years ago, it was, oh my gosh, you can't give kids condoms. It, it's, we still say that now, but if you give them condoms, all they're going to do is have sex. And that's not the case. We know that. There's no, there's nothing to... When you check into an Olympic Village, condoms are... <laughs> well, they, they yeah. might be, right. There might have been a little sex happening up in Olympic Village, but... Yes. If you think about it, it's a brilliant idea. If, if you put out a call on the media and said, uh, attention all addicts, please come to a certain area so that we can help you, okay? Nobody's going to show up. Or, I mean... And, they would and, think it was a setup. Well, of course they right. would. Uh, but by doing something like this, it's, if, how else could you find a group of people who need services like that, who are willing to come and trust somebody that they're not going to turn them, that they're not going to call the cops and say, hey, we've got a bunch of heroin addicts here or something. So you get a whole group of people who is the, the, the group that you want to help, and they're there. And, and so you have them right there. And that's why, that's why some of the folks from Odyssey show up and things like that, because it's like, if you'd like help, here's where help is available. Or like Tricia said, you know, uh, to test for HIV or Hep C. I mean, you could never get those people together in any other format than what they're doing. And I think we're trying to go to them. So, like you said, they're afraid to come to us. So, by providing that service, whether it be mobile or whether it be brick and mortar, um, we're trying to get to that community as best as we can in a comfortable way and trying to eliminate stigma around it. Like, I think there's so much stigma wrapped around um, a person who uses drugs. Um, and they don't want to be maybe necessarily identified that identified that way. That's not that whole human being. That's not that person. That's so not the, just a drug addict. That's right. also Randall Carlyle. Exactly. I, I'm not just a recovering alcoholic. I'm. I have. There's a lot more to my yes. life than that. Right. Uh, you know. So and and that's the same with the people she's dealing with. Well, it's interesting too because when you talk to people outside drug use. Mm -hmm. They have a very a much different look at it. Oh, and absolutely. That it, and interesting talking to your coworker in a previous show, Heather, talking about how their perception is that it's a choice that people make and people want to be homeless mm -hmm. and addicted to a drug. Mm -hmm. And nothing could be further from the truth. Right, absolutely. And in many cases now people are getting addicted to opioids through an accident and then op the pills no longer available so you make that switch right. to to IV drugs. Yes. Yes. And it's a 
horrible lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. I do think that our like if you think about the drug user, I think we all have a picture in our head of what that drug user looks like. Um, but and and yes, we are targeting a lot of that unfortunate like picture in your head. Those are the right. people we're seeing. But there are also those people who who we aren't able to um, get to the best way because it's the person who might have had an accident. It's the the young kid who broke his leg and um, was given opioids because of pain. It's the the mother of six kids who is the soccer mom who is running all over the place and might be using opioids for pain meds or might be using other types of drugs. So those are also populations that we're and we have a high instance of prescribed drugs in the state of Utah. Prescription drug use is super if, high. Maybe Lemma Harrington, a BYU football player. He gets injured, gets hooked on opioid pain pills, can't get them anymore, ends up a heroin addict, living near Pioneer Park, losing his job at KSL. It's people like that. I mean, it's, it's everybody. It's, it's mothers that and fathers. And, you know, though by the grace of God. Yeah, exactly. And opioid abuse, and again, because Utah has got a high prescription rate, mm-hmm. it's it's cutting across all socioeconomic lines, religious. You know, this happens to people, you know, the LDS church. People would never think of having a drink in their life. Right. and But if a doctor prescribes, prescribes. it, it's okay. Right. An interesting thing, um, when Canada came here um, for our meeting, they were calling... Um, the people in their community who were using drugs, their community versus us versus them. Those people over there using drugs versus we all need to work together because they need help. We need to help them. And I think we also need to change our mind, our mindset a little bit and how we present that information about and a rising it's tide. them versus it's all of us. This is our community and we need to help them. Certainly. And These are human beings. Yes. That's the bottom line. Yes. And, and well, you made a very good point in our last show talking about, or it might have been Heather, about someone who has diabetes. Oh, yeah. And in that situation, it's not like we shame them into oh, right. put that, that mm-hmm. sugar cookie down. Right. Lose right. some weight. Right. I might do that to my father. But, um. <laughs> but in essence, working with people. And the other thing that was really interesting is when you have an interaction with a client. Mm-hmm. It's a very positive thing. I would say 99% of the time it's a positive thing. So, yes, it's it's 100% positive. They're glad we are there. Um, they, just in the last, I would say, six months, we've been doing some qualitative surveying of the community who's, who's utilizing this program to see if they like it. And we have, we have so many responses um, of people saying, I feel so much better about myself and about I'm concerned about my health and now I know these services are available to me and I know where to go and I know where I can get those services and I know who I can reach out to and um, maybe not the first time they came to us maybe not the 10th time they came to us but maybe the 27th time they came to trust us. is built up in little steps yes, and they're ready to maybe go into treatment or maybe try something different or maybe we're seeing their drug use decrease because of the program versus this idea and mentality that we're just increasing it. They're increasing it by giving them um, unused, safe, sterile syringes. If you, if, you, if you ever go to a needle exchange, it's really sort of interesting because what, what they're doing is they're saying, hey, we recognize you as a human being, and if you have these needs, we're here to help. And not, you're a lowly drug addict, and, and you know, but... 
we'll take care of you here. Like, I mean, everybody's treated with respect. And, and that makes such a huge difference to a human being. Oh, uh, certainly. You, know, you actually came equipped with some numbers. I did. Wow. You did your homework. I was nervous. <laughs> so, you know, are you nervous anymore? Maybe a little bit. Okay. But not I as much. Get, get better. Okay. <laughs> because they have... we. I happen to be able to attend a, a monthly meeting that they have with a whole group of service providers who deal in the area of harm reduction and needle exchanges. And so they, they gather some of these numbers, and they're, and they're, they're really interesting. Every, so go ahead and, and make, make use of your homework. I, I will try, and I don't mean to just spit numbers out. Um, but um, the numbers that we have collected, we do have numbers from 2017 up until now. Um, but these numbers reflect from July 2018 to July 2019, even though we're not How in can July you do 2019. That? Right? Do you exactly. have a crystal ball? Right, that... as I'm just reading this, I'm like, wait a minute. We are recording um, right. this in right. April, so... Uh, <laughs> by the way, I will let you know who wins the Major League All-Star game. Super, right, right. The, the Brewers. Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. So, um, so from July, let's say July 2018 to the end of March, okay. our numbers look like this. So we have about 5,533 personal interactions with people who are coming to the syringe exchange. That's less than a year. Think about it. Yes, that. less than a yeah. year. Um, we've served almost 1,400 clients, 1,372 clients that we've served. And our average interaction per client, um, they're coming back about four times. So um, the other things we're seeing is, I think there's a big misperception as well that um, we, we are just giving syringes out, um, but yet we are collecting a lot of data and we see that the number of syringes that come in, it's almost equal. So for every seven syringes we give out, um, five syringes are being returned. So that number is actually really small I think, and, compared and to what we Syringes being disposed of anywhere are a tremendous public health risk. And they can be, yes. Um, but we now have these wonderful collection boxes that are all over the community. I say all over the community. Um, but I would say primarily in the downtown area, there are four collection boxes that look like big red mailboxes that people can dispose of their syringes um, in a safe way. So if they're not able to come to the syringe exchange program, if they don't know where to dispose of used syringes, they can locate these five, four mailboxes-like thing. Don't put your mail in it. Don't put your voter ballots in it. Um, <laughs> don't put your arm in it. <laughs> right, don't put your arm in it. But yes, um, you can dispose of your used um, syringes in these containers. So again, we're trying to um, also encourage that, encourage that we're all cleaning up um, our spaces. And we've also noticed that in, um, since the, since the beginning of this program, we have our numbers of collection, our numbers of, um, not collection, but our numbers of disposal in these areas. So where, where we've done some work to clean up some areas, we've been called, the health department's been called. We've sent our, some, some of our syringe exchange programs out to do cleanups because there might be syringes all over the place, um, we have noticed a big decrease in those requests, meaning that people are actually cleaning up after themselves because they have a place to put them now and they're just not throwing them on the ground. Fantastic. Yes. So other numbers here. Oh, yeah. Those are interesting. So we, again, as I said, <clears throat> we've done testing. We do hepatitis C testing and HIV testing. So we've tested over almost 300 people. 
um, for hepatitis and we've tested over 500 people for um, HIV. So not many positives for HIV, but we have 29.6% um, positive for hepatitis. And I think that's the one that we really need to think about because what we know is hepatitis lives in dried blood for three plus weeks. So, um, so it's, it, it's much easier to transmit and I don't know that we think about that. So hepatitis C, yes. what uh, give kind of the <clears throat> liver challenges? What are the big challenges of hep C? I mean, hepatitis period is inflammation of your liver. So if somebody has hepatitis, whether it be A, B, or C, they're probably going to get inflammation of their liver. They might have yellowing of their eyes, of their skin. They might have nausea. Um, I think things that you might not know might even be hepatitis. So hepatitis C, the thing about hepatitis C is there's no vaccine for it. So hepatitis A and B, if you don't have your hep A and B vaccines, go get your hep get A and B vaccines. Yeah. So um, easy to prevent with those vaccines available. Um, hepatitis C, there's no vaccine, but we have treatment available. And treatment, you can get on treatment um, and be free of hepatitis C in 8 to 12 weeks, depending on the type of medication. And there are a lot of programs out there that assist patients to help pay for these medications. So I know when the medications and hep C like boomed and the medications came out, there was a lot of angry clients, I think angry people who were treating people for hep C saying these people can't afford the medication. Right. So there's a lot of work that has been done to to decrease the costs and to also have programs available to help clients who need this medication and help pay for those And one of the cool things that you do as I learn more about this is you might be the one person from, I hate to use the term authority, but someone with a lot of information is mm -hmm. interacting with these people. Yep. You might be the only one who's doing it in a non-judgmental, right. informative right, way. Right, right, right. And, and I that's, think that's nice. That's the whole philosophy, I think, behind harm reduction is taking them where they're at, being okay and understanding that there, there's this spectrum, and um, we're not going to judge you for um, the drug use. Um, we want to help you. We want to give you that warm handoff and connect you to resources, and it could be to the Odyssey House. Yeah, could so, be anywhere. Right. Hey, the whole point is we're talking about human beings. I, can't, I hate to keep emphasizing that, and we're not talking right. about people you know, that have any, that made a, that are making a moral choice every day to shoot up heroin. They have a disease and it's a disease like diabetes or cancer or alcoholism. It's something that affects human beings that we all know in society. It's not just the people you think of down on Rio Grande. It's people throughout society. When they were cracking down on Rio, I, I used to talk to the cops on Rio Grande and the people who were driving down there to, to buy drugs, because everybody knew you could get drugs down there, were, were women from the suburbs that had kids in their car seats. They were that business, so they were business yeah. guys. I mean, it's not just people that you picture as being the typical person in addiction. Right, you absolutely. Know. Yeah. You know, and that, I, I remember once when living in Las Vegas, we were rebuilding homes in a very rough part of town and a couple came in with BYU stickers on their car both blonde, blonde young man blonde girl in a convertible going into the ghetto to buy drugs mm -hmm. and I advised them they should leave mm -hmm. but it, it cuts across all right. all lines and, and again and that's why this program is so important and that's why 
I, they do such a good job. They've got these numbers here of people they're helping. They're they're making such a difference in in people's lives on a one-on-one -on -one basis that you can't do through the mass media. You can't. You can only do it by finding a compassionate person like Tricia talking to me one-on-one, -on -one, and it's like, my God, she acts like she respects me. She's not looking down on me, yep. even though you're higher than me right now. <laughs> so, Tricia, you are looking down on me. When so you go there. into these areas, do you is there any fear, any intimidation, or is it something that you've just gotten used to? I think I've gotten used to. I don't know that my husband likes the fact that I've gotten so used to it and I'm totally okay with it because, again, I think it's going back to this, like, I think we very much forget that, first and foremost, we are that human being. And this person um, shouldn't be, be scary. They, they might want just somebody to talk to or have a conversation with. And um, so I, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and, and I think that, if anything, I feel like um, it makes me happy that I can go in and, and serve this community and help this community in a way that they might not... Um, Again, they're not being seen in the same light as everybody else is seeing them. And, and even if, if they've done nothing more than keep that person healthier in addiction, then they've done something. I mean, it's like that person could end up dying later on because they aren't using in a healthy manner or could end up in the, in the ER, which costs everybody money. Yeah, you know, from a public a, policy and public health perspective, obviously this is a no-brainer and it's saving money ultimately right. for the whole community because right. we absolutely. all pay those costs. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. And it, it really is very impressive that you've put down any misgivings or, and you came over from an HIV perspective. You were yes. involved in that yes. fight so, for a long yes, time. Yes, 20 years. Yeah, I would say I've been in and out of the HIV world. But, but yes, and, and I will say that as much as we might be steps behind some of the other communities, um, I think we are taking some really strong steps forward. Well, what the state of Utah, and Greg Hughes, the former Speaker of the House, I have to give him all the, the kudos that you can, took this issue on when no one else would touch it. Right. And literally dragged the state of Utah into doing some things that have really changed yes. game changers. Yes. I mean, I talked to to friends of friends, and when I tell them what I do, like, a jaw drops, you know, it's like, okay, like, remember what this is for, and then, again, pointing out the disease prevention aspect of it, and how um, we are providing them with resources, and wound care kits, and all of these other things and that they might never have connections to. Here's another uh, controversial topic, talk, talk about fentanyl test strips. Okay. So um, fentanyl's in we, everything. We hear about everybody dying of overdoses right. because fentanyl's mixed with all the crap yep. people are buying. Yeah, with, yes. with pot now, which is considered kind of an innocuous subject by right. a lot of people, or right. substance, I right. should say, which, by a lot of people. Which is scary. And again, Canada, when they were here, they told us that it's coming this way. Like, fentanyl? We might, yes, like we have it now, but it's in everything in Canada, and it's coming. Why does fentanyl be, why is it put into drugs? Um, I think it's, I think, well, I don't know that I can give you the why. My idea is... I can give you the is, why. It's cheaper than uh, well, the other stuff. And it's so cheaper. you're watering down... It's a filler. Down, it's yeah. like putting sawdust in and with, so, with so your if, hamburger. <laughs> if you buy heroin, 
uh, and you're using less heroin and a little bit of fentanyl, it still gives you a really great high, I guess, if you or or provided kill, it or doesn't kills kill you. you. Yeah, well, the, the uh, latter. I mean, it's better to have return customers, I would think. But yeah. and if you look at images of the amount of fentanyl that could be um, considered uh, overdose, like potential, like crumbs, <laughs> crumbs in your hand, yeah. very like little, like breadcrumbs, like that's about what you're we're looking at that could provide. Um, that, that could put somebody in potential overdose versus overdosing on different drugs. You're looking at a, like a teaspoon versus wow. crumbs. So, so it is a super dangerous, dangerous. It, it can be if, um, if people aren't smart. Uh, but you have, so you have test strips. So we're, we're working on getting test strips um, and making those test strips available to the clients. We would give them to them. They would use the test strip to test their own drugs. And we would also give them, I think, resources and education so that they knew what to do if their drugs tested positive. Because at, at, at some point, yes, if it tests positive for fentanyl, then what am I supposed to do with that? Take it back to so, the dealer and say, so, I want right, my money exactly, back. Exactly. Yeah, right. You take it back to the dealer. Or you give them, okay, so now you know there's fentanyl in it. Do you want to keep using it? If I don't want to keep using it, what's the proper disposal of that so nobody else gets their hands on it? And or if I choose to use it, I'm going to use it in a way that I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to go slow. So I might use a very small incremental amount of my drug to see what happens before I would use it all because we already know that there's fentanyl in it. And I'm going to have some naloxone. And I'm going to have naloxone available <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to yeah. have a plan in place or at least let people who are around me know that my naloxone's in the bathroom if I need it. Um, I'm using my drugs tonight at six o'clock. I mean, yes, that's a lot of stuff that someone might not think about doing, um, but it's also good it to think about It sounds so goofy to, right. to give out a test strip to test the drugs that you bought from your dealer, but it could prevent death. Yes. And, and that is ultimately what we're talking about. And, and Randall, you are a great spokesperson for the clients that you see, <laughs> but these are people who have parents, who have brothers and sisters, who have wives, husbands, the, this is a process that can be done. I'm going to go ahead and put your email address up on the screen Perfect. for information. Perfect. So if you have questions about the programs that the state of Utah does, make sure to drop you an email. Super. Also, we've had the number up for Odyssey House. So 801-322-3222. How about that? Uh, and it took me a year and a half to memorize that. But and email. <laughs> so we've got email up on the screen for the state of Utah. If you have any questions, you've got the phone number for Odyssey House. Thank you so much Absolutely. for coming in. Yes, thank you very much. And we See, really appreciate it. Still? I'm a little, still a little. Jeez. Because Heather was watching me, and she's going to now critique me. You've gotten through it. Randall, thank you so much. Thank I'm you. I'm Trent thank Mitchell, you, and we'll see you next yes, time. Yes. If you get a chance, if you've got questions, call that number. Drop an email to the wonderful people at the state. There are people out there that can help and give you great advice. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.